on this final Sunday for African American Heritage Month. And with us this Sunday, we have Deanna Singh. Uh, she's such a dynamic woman. I've had the pleasure of meeting her recently, and it seems like we've seen each other at every event since. <laughs> so uh, a woman after my own heart, I'm very excited to listen to her. Uh, she did have a TED's talk that you probably should go to her website and uh, listen to uh, that she just uh, did recently. But giving you a little background, Deanna Singh, founder and chief change agent of Flying Elephant, is known for giving audiences the tools and courage to imagine, activate, and impact the world as agents of change. She is a trailblazer and a dynamic speaker who is at the forefront of social change. She is an accomplished author, editor, educator, business leader, and champion for marginalized communities. Deanna earned her Bachelor's of Arts in Urban Studies from Forham University and Juris Doctorate from Georgetown University and a Master's in Business Administration from the University of Wisconsin-Madison. She is also the author of two children's books, I Am a Boy of Color and I Am a Girl of Color, and a business book recently called The Purposeful Hustle. So without further ado, Deanna. This morning, what I'm really hoping I get a chance to do is talk to you about the two books that I did write, I'm a Boy of Color and I'm a Girl of Color, but to talk about it from a perspective of healing, to really talk about some things that are gonna make me a little bit vulnerable, maybe make my family, who's also gathered here with me today, my son Zephaniah and my son Zion. Can you wait? This is Zion here, this is Zephaniah. And my husband Justin. It might make them uncomfortable too. Um, <laughs> But I want to share some things because I think that it is important, especially in the house of God, to be able to talk about those vulnerabilities, right? To talk about how these things can be connected to some larger things. So the first thing I want to do, though, is I want to tell you about why I wrote these two books. And I want to share this story with you because I think it really does provide some context into how I got here and how God showed up. Sound good? Yes. Okay, and then what we're going to do is after we do that, I'm going to talk about the power of healing, but then I also want to make sure that we have some time at the end to answer some questions. I forgot to set my timer, so if somebody could just make sure you let me know in about 45 minutes, that'd be awesome. Um, <laughs> oh, and there's a clock, but you know, who knows if I can read that. Um, <laughs> okay, so first I just want to start off with just why I wrote these books and kind of how this came to be. So one thing that you need to know about me, and I'm going to walk in front of this a little bit because I'm a walker, uh, but one thing you have to know about me is that I am actually a person that wakes up with quite a bit of energy. And my family can, it takes me a while to get out of the bed, but once I get out of the bed, I'm basically at this level until I go to sleep. So I remember one morning, right, I woke up. And I was really excited. At the time, I happened to be the CEO of a very large foundation here in the city. And the focus of this foundation was to make sure that we were supporting uh, students and opportunities for, people to, for young people to go into kind of college access programs and kind of education and leadership programs. So I woke up excited this morning because, and I was like this, right, <coughs> on my way to a meeting, because there was a meeting that had been called in the city and the meeting was, the focus of the meeting was on boys and men of color. And the idea was that we were going to gather a lot of people in the space of youth leadership and education and a lot of people who had resources, a lot of really smart people to really talk about this idea 
of boys and men of color and the disparities that currently exist when you look at what's happening um, amongst them, right? So in education and all these different areas. If you haven't heard, Wisconsin has actually been listed consistently as the worst place to raise, in particular, a young boy of color. And so why was I excited about this meeting? I wasn't excited because of those disparities, but I was excited because I'm like, oh, we can make some change, right? This is a moment, an opportunity, a, a, just a moment for potential and possibility because we have this money, we have these resources, we have these people, and finally we're gonna have this conversation. So I woke up like, yes, let's do this, right? And I walk, yeah, and I walk into that meeting and I'm excited. And about five minutes into the meeting, it turned into this. <laughs> now it takes a lot, if you know me, to get me to this spot, right? With smoke coming out of my ears. Now how did I go from a place of pure joy and excitement to this place of anger and frustration? Well, I got here because when I got into this meeting, instead of having those conversations about solutions, about things that we could do together as a community, the conversation sounded much more like a eulogy. Like we were eulogizing our children. It, the, the tone of the meeting was this, Right? Those kids, they should. Blah, blah, blah. So I was super, super, duper angry. But I am not the kind of person to sit quietly, if you can't tell already. Right? So I was in my chair, but I stood up and I cleared my throat and I said, Look, pause. Okay? We're going to take a moment here. Because if I'm not mistaken, everybody in this room is actually paid to be an advocate for children. And paid quite well, actually. And so we're in here having these conversations about our children. And don't be mistaken. I understand that there are some real challenges. I don't have on rose-colored glasses. I in fact thought that my entire career, my entire life was going to be dedicated towards trying to fight these disparities. When I graduated from college, my thesis paper was Raise Men, Not Prisoners, right? So I had been in this space for a long time. I, I wasn't confused about what was happening and what we were talking about. But I said, you know what? I don't think it's right, though. I don't think it's right that we're in this space and we're talking about our kids with such negative language. If we are supposed to be the advocates for children, and we're in this space to be the advocates for children, then it's gonna be really important for us to watch how we're talking about our kids. Because other, we can't be surprised then if we talk about our kids any kind of way, and then we go out into the world and the newspaper prints it in a certain kind of way, right? Or we see our children lying dead on the ground because people have a misperception of them. So I said, this is not okay. Now, I am saying this, and I hope that you can understand what I'm saying, but when I was actually in this meeting, this is what I sound like. Right? Like, I, you couldn't really understand what I was saying. But there was this woman, and she was in the far corner. And she stood up. I mean, beautiful woman, right? She stood up. She underlined everything that I said. She put it in caps. She made it bold, right? And she said it in a way that was so eloquent. And she sat down. And I'm looking at her like, girl, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that, right? I heard, you heard me and I appreciate that. And I thought, okay, I'm gonna go back to being joyful Deanna because now everybody in this room understands where we're at. Here we go, let's do it. And then the next person who gets up. 
So now I'm at this moment. <laughs> so now I'm thinking, okay, well, this is going to be very awkward because when I go home, I'm going to tell my husband how I lost my job. It's going to be on the front page of the newspaper. CEO has lost her mind, right? Because I'm about to have an incredible Hulk moment. I'm just at the end of my end of my my wit, right? And if you do get a chance to see the TED talk, you're going to understand why. There's some more context to that, right? I was there's a lot of things happening around my life that just had gotten me to a place where I was already really fragile. So I'm holding onto the edge of the table and I'm literally shaking because I'm so upset. Here I am supposed to be the CEO of this foundation, right? Responsible for all this money. Supposed to be in a position where I have a voice. <coughs> where what, you know, where I, where I'm at the, I'm at the, I'm literally at the table. When so many other people don't even get to be at the table. And, and no one can hear me. Doesn't make any sense. So I'm holding onto this table and I'm shaking, right? And I'm like, here it goes, I'm about to do it. But instead, I think this is a moment of divine intervention, I reach down into my purse and I pull out a pen and a piece of paper. And what do I do? I start to write. And I write and I write and I write. And I'm in a room, it's about 100 people in this room, okay? And you know it's one of those rooms where the lights automatically turn off on you? So everybody got up and left. I didn't notice. The lights turned off on me, didn't notice. I have no idea how long I was in that room without anybody else in there. But I'm just writing. Now what am I writing? I'm writing a letter to these boys, to Zion and to Zephaniah. My children, my little brown boys. And what's in that letter? I am essentially writing to them, if something happens to your father and I, there are some things that I need you to know about yourself. I need you to know that you are smart, that you are special, that you are full of possibilities, that you are full of potential, that you are artistic, that you are children of God. And I need you to know that because you know what, sons, if you go out in the world, they might not reflect that back to you. If you go out in the world looking for that message, you might not get it. You need to know that inside of yourself. So I wrote this letter to my boys, right? I get up, and I'm feeling a little bit better. I'm in the room, dark room by myself, so that's awkward, right? But, but otherwise, I'm feeling a lot better. So I go on home, and now in my mind, and the boys are gonna probably laugh at me, but in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, I got a good idea. I'm gonna take this little letter, I'm gonna put the boys' pictures on it, I'm gonna make it into a little PDF booklet, and I'm gonna give it to them for Valentine's Day. My boys are gonna be like, Mommy is so awesome. Is that what you have thought, guys? <laughs> They're both looking like, uh. <laughs> but you know, when you're a mom, sometimes you have to pep talk yourself up like that, you know? So, so I was like, okay, cool. And I was not as technologically advanced as I, as I currently am, so putting it in PDF was kind of a big deal. So I did it. Put their little pictures on, it was all cute and everything, and I'm like, now I'm really happy, right? I'm back to my joyful self, and I'm getting ready to go to bed, and I'm like, this is gonna be so great. And so I get into the bed, ready to go to sleep, and I can't sleep, right? My heart starts to feel heavy again. Because I start thinking, this is really not just a thing about my own boys, right? This is a much bigger issue. And of course my boys expect me to say that because I say that kind of thing to them all of the time. I'm their mother, right? But who else is gonna support me? Who else is gonna be out there telling my children the same thing? But then I got an idea. I know exactly what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go to books. 
I am going to fill up my children's bookshelves with all kinds of wonderful books that feature positive images of little boys of color. Why? Because I love literature, right? Because reading is where you can get that access. I, I could get some other people, some other voices to come into the room. They can read it, they can see it, they can feel it. So I thought that's what I'm gonna do. Now I have to tell you a little something about myself. I love books, always have. I was a little girl and I would go into the closet and I would have a little flashlight and I'd stay up all night long reading books. Now I thought I was getting away with something. Now, now that I'm a parent, I know that my parents definitely knew what I was doing, right? When I was a little girl, I really thought I was getting away. I, I love literature so much, I married an English professor. Oh, <laughs> long, long time. <laughs> the 
this has been his, uh, he's been dealing with it, and I don't know how, but it's awesome, and I appreciate you. But when I was talking to my husband, I said, Justin, what do you think about this? And he was like, go for it, do it, right? And there were so many obstacles. I mean, I could tell you so many funny stories. One of my favorite funny stories has the boys in it, so they'll appreciate this, um, was that I didn't know where to go for an artist, right? Now, if you ever saw me draw, I am, I am proficient. My drawing level, this is where I'm at. I am proficient at messing up a stick figure. That is the level that I am at, <laughs> which means I am not proficient at all, right? And so I was like, you can't have a children's book, a picture book with no pictures. So I was like, I need an artist, right? So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna find this artist. And I decided I was gonna go, and I was gonna go to the universities. So I went to a couple of the universities, I went to my ad, right? And I, I put out a thing, a message board, like I need an artist. And then I went to online, I, I went to like some of the uh, freelancer sites and I put it there, I need an artist. Then I went to, um, I went to some of my art, my friends who are in the art world, I'm like, I need an artist. I went to some of the organizations here who do artwork and I'm like, I need an artist. And I found nobody. I found lots of talented artists, right? Really great, wonderful things, but nothing that I could actually use. And what I was realizing was that I knew what I wanted, but I couldn't articulate it, right? And I remember there was many a time where I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna give up. I'm just gonna give up. But every time I got to this place where I was just gonna give up, I really felt the presence of God. God would be like, no, try one more time. Just try one more time. Ah, just try one more time, right? See, it just, just try one more time. Every time I'm like, well, I'm done with this. I'm finished. I'm tired. Just one more time. I remember the editor, this is 14 sentences, this book that I wrote, right? 14 sentences. She sent it back to me 22 times. I know. There was a point where I was sitting in, I was, you know, at my computer. When I first, and the first time I got it, I'm a writer. I mean, I'm, I'm a lawyer, right? So I write a lot. So the first time I got it, I remember being like, oh, this is going to be so awesome. She's probably found a period or something, but it'll be cool. And it was every word had a red thing, you know? And so then I remember, I was like, I got to like number, I don't know, 15, 16, something like that. And so I'm sitting there at the computer, and by this time, instead of being like, oh, I got an email from the editor, and I'm like, oh, I got an email from the editor, right? And I remember opening it up and looking at it and being like, are you kidding me? And I remember telling my husband, this is it. Like, this is too much. Like, I have 14 sentences. I can't be going back and forth like this all the time. And he was like, Deanna, stop being dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> Right? But that was also the moment, right? These times where people in your life also have to support you. You gotta see, see what's going on because this purpose was really big. So I could go on and on. Well, anyways, back to the artist. So the, the, the artist, I didn't have anybody and I didn't know what to do and I wasn't sure where to go. And then I was on Facebook one day and I saw a picture and I was like, this is it. This is it, this is who I want. And I remember saying like, I'm gonna just go contact him. And I found out he was a local artist and I contacted him and he said, thank you so much for contacting me, but I am just overwhelmed right now. I can't take on your project. And I was like, oh. And I was gonna let it go, but then I, I'm not that person. So I'm a little persistent. So I was like, okay, let me have the publisher write him. So the publisher sent him a nice note, called him. He said, thank you so much. I'm so sorry though, I'm, I'm, I'm just really busy right now. I can't take on any of the projects. And I was like, oh man. Then when I was stalking him on Facebook, I'm just going to be honest, right? And so then I saw that he was going to be in an art gallery, and I was like, let's go. And right before we went in there, the boys were with me, and, and Justin, and I said, boys, we're going to go up here, and we're going to talk to this artist, my last chance, right? And I need you to take your cuteness, and I need to turn it all the way up. They didn't even ask me any questions. They just were like, okay. <laughs> right? 
So we walked up there. We stood behind him. He kind of saw us. He finished his portrait. And then afterwards, I tried to introduce myself. He said, I know who you are. <laughs> and I said, I know. But can I just tell you one more time why this project is? And he said, are you going to take no for an answer? I said, probably not. He said, well, OK. And within a week, the project was just as much his as it was mine. So again, I could go on and on about these challenges. But the reason why I want to share them is because I think it's important to recognize. Sometimes something can be put on your heart. Sometimes you can hear something really clearly, like a message from God that's like, do this thing. And it can still be hard. Doesn't mean that you hear that and all of a sudden, you know, things are just going to be easy. You're going to hit some, some challenges along the way. But if it stays persistent, right, if that message stays clear, it's up to us to make sure that we stay in that space. So we, despite all the challenges, um, we came out with the book, I Am a Boy of Color. So here's the book right here. And you know, I started going around and actually talking to uh, students. When I hold it, I still get chills. Yeah, sorry, I just, but, um, so we went around and, and we started talking to children. And of course, the very first uh, thing that they would ask us, boys and girls, was, Miss Singh, when are you gonna write, I am a girl of color? And I was like, right away, babies, right? <laughs> because I actually am a girl of color. Um, and so we ended up coming out with both of the books. Uh, the first book, it took us six months to put out. And then the next one was we put out, uh, I think within about six to eight months after that. So both of the books have actually been out. And what I want to share with you is just real quickly some of the things that have happened as a result of the books being out. First, we've read to over 5,000 children in the last two, about two years. Uh, just last week, Friday, not this Friday, but the Friday before, I spoke to 800 children. Um, it has been amazing to me how they have processed this information, how the questions that they ask, how, the, how it relates to them. It's just been phenomenal. Uh, we've had over 50 public conversations on the news and TV shows, radio shows, with individuals, groups, you know, wonderful groups like this, where we've actually been able to talk about this idea of changing the narrative and why it's important and what actually currently exists, like what is actually happening out there in the world. Um, there's actually been an international distribution of the books. So I get these notifications from Amazon and different people, and, and people will write me from different countries. And so we've gotten things from Africa and India and, and England and Ohio. Um, right? So just all these like really cool places, and, and people have talked about how they've connected to the work and why it's been really meaningful for them. This is one of my favorite things um, about the book. Before we even had it in our hand, before we actually had a hard copy, my husband and I were talking just a lot about why we were trying to do this, right? Why I was going into the space. And the idea was, how do we create a dialogue? How do we create a discourse? How do we create an opportunity for people to talk about what's actually happening? And how do we make sure that we're being part of this larger movement, right? One or two books, that's not going to change the narrative. But what will change the narrative is if we combine our voices together. And so right away, we decided that we wanted to. And for me, I, I've always thought that my purpose in life is really to shift power to marginalized communities. Unfortunately, one of our largest marginalized communities are actually our children. And so at the very beginning, it was like, well, how can we make our kids powerful through this? And they were the ones, they were the reason why we wrote, I wrote the book in the beginning. And so we decided we would start this foundation called the Flying Elephant Foundation. And Zephaniah and Zion are actually the co-chairmen of the foundation. Yeah, so they're my bosses. <laughs> they're very good to me. Um, but essentially what they do is we take the profits from the books and we put it into the foundation and they redistribute the money to other organizations that are focused on positive images uh, of children of color. So or other organizations actually here in the city. I'm super proud to say I know Black Arts Milwaukee is going to be joining us later. Black Arts Milwaukee was the last organization that they chose to support. And so through the foundation, not only are the children able to have that power, right, 
but they go do site visits, they meet with executives, they meet with children. They're the ones who are being part of the decision making and a part of why this is so critical and so important to us um, and keeping us in check, right? Which I think is also really critical. And then my favorite thing is that after I do presentations with children, I get hugs. It's amazing. They like line up. They're like, can I hug you? I'm like, yes. <laughs> this is the best. So these are all like, you know, exciting things, right? I was just going to be excited. Honestly, if my mama had bought a book, I would have been like, yes, <laughs> done, right? Like I had no expectations about what would happen. And so it's just been astounding to me just how well the book has been received and just, and just what's happened. You know, what's happened as a result, the conversations that we've been able to have. I've been in the social justice space for over 20 years. And I have to tell you that I have had more conversations about race and more difficult conversations because of these books than I've had in my entire career put together. What I found is that by having a children's book, people aren't really like necessarily intimidated by it, right? They can get into it and the artists, they were, they're phenomenal artists and so they see the pictures and they, we have this discourse and it's just, it's been really astounding to me, the power of literature, the power of art. And so that's what I wanna to talk to you about a little bit is this idea of self-healing. Now we began this story with me being in that meeting, right? We began this story with me feeling like I was gonna go Incredible Hulk and, and knock things over. What I've learned through this whole thing and doing this is that sometimes those feelings, that angst, that discomfort, that uh, anger, right? That with those things, you get a choice. You get a choice. God has given us a choice. Are you gonna take that feeling and are you gonna take it and let it ruminate inside of you? Are you gonna let it build? Right? Are you going to keep letting it grow? Or are you going to say, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm full, and I don't want this in me. Take it out of me. Help me channel this into a place of positivity. I'm so glad I didn't knock those tables over. Not because of the job, not because of the awkward conversations. Those would have been moments, seconds. They would have passed. Right? But instead of that, I now can say, I had that feeling, and now every day, that space that was full of anger and frustration is full of joy. When I see a little kid reading the book, when a teacher writes me a note, when I see something you know, posted, when I have somebody say, you know what, I'm gonna, a librarian just said to me uh, yesterday, you know what, I never even thought about this, but I'm going to create a multicultural section in my library. Right? That's power. That is change. That is something. That's something to build on. I cannot tell you how hurt I was, how much it stunned me to feel like I'm a mother who's supposed to be protecting these little boys, and I, and I can't. I can't. They're going to go out into a world that has a narrative that does not support the one that I want them to know about themselves. That is a painful thing to feel as a parent. Now, the other thing that I have learned is that there's also some real power in healing other people. So I wanna share a couple of stories with you. When I first got the book, um, one of the things you have to do is, you know, I have to make copies so I could see, like, did I line the pages up? And again, made tons of mistakes. One of the things we did with the I'm a Boy of Color is I told the artist, I'm like, fill up every corner, I want it to be bright and full. And we had no place to put the words, <laughs> right? 
Because these are things you don't know when you don't know anything, right? And so I had to go to the printer and I had to keep printing it so that I could see what it would actually look like before we got, we, we sent it to the publisher. And so I remember going to the printer. So I was at like Office Max, Office Depot, you know, one of those places. And I gave her my, my drive and the woman went behind the counter and she printed the book and I went out and did some stuff in the store. And when I came back to come pay for it, she handed me the book and she had just tears coming all down her face. I said, are you okay? She said, yeah. She's like, I'm, I, I, when I was printing it, I read your story and I just want to tell you a story myself. I said, yeah, well, what? You know, is everything okay? Like, is it that bad? You know, <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. And she says, you know, when I was really young, I was about 20 years old. My sister, she was, um, she had a drug addiction problem and she had a baby. And my sister died. She had a little son. And, um, and he became my son. I was 20 years old. She's like, I didn't even know what I was doing. And she said, every day I had this little boy and I would look at him like, God, why did you do this? I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. And she said, I look at this little boy and I remember when I'd send him off to school, I'd say everything I could to say to him, right? You're gonna be amazing. Everything, every word I could say that I thought would be positive and I'd send him out in that world and she'd say, I would watch him go and I would sit and I would cry. I would think, am I doing okay by this boy? She said, you know what? He's a firefighter now. He's, you know, he's, he's got his own family. And she said, he's so, and I'm so proud of him. You know, I'm so proud of him. He came into my, in my life and he made me a better person. But I didn't, I never, I just never felt equipped. And she said, you know what it was? I didn't know what words to say to him. She said, I wish I would have had a book like this. I wish I had a book like this that I could have read to him, that he could have read himself. Right? Because I would have felt more I would have felt more powerful. I would have felt more equipped. I was like, okay. Right? So then I had a teacher. She didn't even know that I had written the book. And we were we had been introduced by a mutual friend, right? So we're in this hallway and we're having this conversation. And she is a special education teacher. And she says to me, uh, to me and this other woman that have gathered, she says, you know what? She was like, I'd love making sure that my books have really, a, you know, a lot of diversity in them. And again, she doesn't know that I've written this book, nothing, right? Just met her. Love that I, you know, do this. She said, you know what? And I've noticed a really big difference. I'm a new teacher, but I noticed a really big difference when I started paying attention to this. Because I have this one little boy, he's a kindergartner, and every day he comes into my room and he gets this one book. And he opens up the book, and every day he makes up a new story. He's not a reader yet. He can't read yet. But every day he makes up another story, and he's always the main character every day and I said oh my gosh that's amazing and my friend said you know what she wrote a book and she said you did what book did you write I said I'm a boy of color she said that's the book that's the book he picks up every day oh Deanna you would love the stories that this little boy does and he he can't wait can't wait to get his hands on the book right I had another woman I'm I'm in Chicago and there's an event okay and it's like a barbecue uh, and this woman walks up and she goes you're Deanna Singh. I said, yeah, well, yes, I am. She said, well, I have a story you're not going to believe. I said, well, what's up? She said, well, actually, I'm from Iowa, I think she said, right? I'm from Iowa. And my best friend and her husband decided they were going to adopt a little baby boy. And they adopted this little baby boy, and they were very excited about it. But they had some trouble. I said, oh. And she said, yeah. The trouble was actually with their family, because they had sat there a white family, and they decided they were going to adopt a little black boy. And when the parents found out, especially the grandmother found out about it, she was not happy. She was like, why are you doing this? I don't understand. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this, right? She said, the grandmother stopped talking to him. 
she said, so it was really hard for my friends because they were so excited. You know, they worked, they, they were just happy that their family was going to be growing. And it was just really hard to, on the one side to be so joyful and on the other side to be feeling such pain. And she said, but you know what? They brought the baby home and there was a knock on the door. She opened the door and she said it was her mother-in-law, the grandmother, who really was against this, right? This adoption. She said she opened the door, grandmother was standing there. She had a basket. And on the top of the basket was the I'm a Boy of Color book. And she said, I really don't understand this. I know I have a lot to learn, but I really want to meet my grandson. What? I'm trying. I'm going to try. What? And I'll tell you one other story. My favorite stories are always with the children, right? So I'm in a room. I have about 400 children in the room. All of them girls, all of them little brown and black girls. Beautiful. Little kindergartners are up in the front. You know how they do, right? K4 in the front. And then in the back, seventh and eighth grade are sitting in the chairs because they're seventh and eighth graders, right? And when I'm with the kids, you thought I moved around a lot this morning. No, I put on flats and we are like, boop, boop, right? We like do a little, little game. It's so much fun. So we do the whole thing. I'm sweating, right? I sit down. I'm over here on the side and I sit down and the principal gets up to the podium and she's about to dismiss the kids so she's you know getting ready to go for the K4 and I'm just sitting on the side but before she does a little girl all in the, all the way back so she had seventh or eighth grader right so had to be like 11 12 years old raises her hand and the principal goes right she does that look we all know that look right? like I mean, what's going on what's happening so instead of dismissing him she kind of takes a breath and she says yeah you have something to say? She calls on the little girl. Little girl stands up. She says, Miss Singh, I just want to say thank you to Miss Singh, to the author. Because before today, I never thought about my color being a good thing. And she sits back down. I'm like, she just Right? My heart feels like it's broken into a million different pieces. So all the children get dismissed. Principal comes over to me. A couple of the other teachers come over to me. Principal says, you know, Deanna, that little girl who spoke, I said, yes, I heard her. She says, she's been in this school since she was in K-4. And we cannot get her to talk in her classroom. And yet she just got up in front of 400 little girls in this building to tell you that. And you tell me that's not the power of God. I won't believe you. So one of the things that I have learned in all of this, right, there's three things, really. The first is that God has a plan. When you're hurting and things don't feel right, right, that's part of the plan. God has a plan. You might not understand it. You might have all kinds of questions. I remember one of the first things I had to do was Google, how do you write a children's book, right? But I didn't have to know everything because there was a plan that had already been put in place. All I had to do was open myself up, show up again and again and again, go through the awkward moments, have the uncomfortable spaces, right? Because there was already a plan in place. The second thing that I learned is that God is present. 
You know, there are so many times where I was like, I, I, I do this a lot, right? I, I get a chance to speak about a lot of different topics, a lot of different people, about just uh, uh, this. In the last week alone, I've spoken to over 1,500 people, right? So I do this a lot. But you know what I do every time before I get up? Every single time. And the way over here, I was doing it on the way over here. I say, God, speak to my heart. Give me the words to say. Because if I can hear from you, then I'll know what to do. Right? If I put myself in the presence of God, it doesn't matter how many people I'm speaking to. I can be speaking to one or millions. It doesn't matter. Because God is present. Everywhere. And if you make yourself available, right? If you open yourself up, even when you're hurting, I think actually especially when you're hurting, especially when you feel uncomfortable, <coughs> especially when you feel like I'm outside of my zone, this is more than what I know how to handle. That's especially where he is. My husband and I, we have this prayer in our family, right? Dear God, let it be so clear that this is not us, that this is you. Let it be so clear. Let your presence be so clear that when people look at our marriage, when people look at our children, when people look at what we're doing, let it be so clear that, oh, that's beyond what they could have done themselves. You have to be present. And the third thing is that God is persistent, right? I told you already all the times I failed. All the times I was about ready to give up when my husband had told me to stop being dramatic, right? I shared with you. This was not a road that was paved and that was easy. This was not a road where I didn't make mistakes. I made tons. I'm still making mistakes. People, you know, introduce me and they'll be like, oh, I'd like to introduce you to the author. And I turn around like, who are they talking about? Right? Because this is a new thing. But God is persistent. Every time I tried to shake this, every time I tried to give it away, every time I tried to say no, every time I tried to walk through it, right? Walk around it. Nope. I turn around. Oh, hey, you still here, God? Okay, well, I guess let's do this again. Right? God is persistent. So in all of this, and kind of all the things and all the journey that this has been on, I think that when we're thinking about Black History Month, and even when we're not thinking about Black History Month, right, when we're just thinking about who we are as people, all the beautiful shades that we are, all the beautiful colors that we are, all the beautiful places that we come from, the languages that we speak, all the things that make us different, the, the beauty in all of that, that it's really important we continue to have these conversations. It's really important that we continue to push ourselves. It's really important that when we see the opportunity to elevate not only our differences and the things that make us awesome, but also how God is in all of that, that we have to take them. And I just want to ask you one favor. Please pray for us. Pray for our family. Pray for the books. Pray for the children. Pray for the little girls out there who don't know their beauty yet. Because if we don't have that, we're not going to be able to help them realize their power. Thank you.